Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of board, recorder videos, and at tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the DM Roundtable for February 2023. This is a chance for patrons and I to get together and discuss topics in tabletop RPGs, and by sharing our ideas, thoughts, and experiences, we can all become better DMs or GMs. The DM Roundtable discussions are open to all patrons at every level of patreon.com slash roguewatson. You don't even have to be an active participant. You can jump in here and lurk to your heart's content, and we are glad to have you. This month's topic, as determined by the... I was gonna say, as by the Patreon poll, we didn't have a poll for this topic though. I just just declared this is the topic is the OGL controversy in January. Decision, which is somehow appropriate here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't allow a decision on this one. I just released the statement in January 2023. The world of Dungeons and Dragons blew up, not because of Orcus, Tiamat, or Vecna, but because of a leaked draft of an updated version of the Open Gaming License sending the company, the community, and many third-party creators into a dramatic showdown that we are still reeling from. Joining me for this month's DM Roundtable, we have Brandon. Hello. John. Hey there. Special guest, Chris. Hello. And we are talking about the OGL 1.1, then it became, or it was going to become the OGL well, it was the 1.0, then it was going to become the 1.1, and then at some point they were going to make it a 1.2, and then finally they completely capitulated and uh, reversed course completely. So just briefly, I'll go over a uh, a timeline because it really is a uh, blink and you'll miss it. And yet this absolutely dominated the news cycle in January. So on January 5th, an io9 article written by Linda Codega, Codega, not sure how to pronounce their name, um, released a really awesome lengthy article about a leaked draft of a OGL 1.1 uh, document. And this uh, document was had a number, it was 10 times the size of original uh, open gaming license, which the OGL is what originally allowed third-party creators to uh, create and sell D&D products. There were certain rules and restrictions you had to follow. You couldn't actually, for example, use the name Dungeons and Dragons anywhere. So people had to say fifth edition or the world's greatest role-playing game or some bullshit like that. You couldn't also use specific uh, Wizards of the Coast IP, such as the Forgotten Realms, such as Vecna and TMN Orcus, such as Waterdeep. Um, and I believe certain uh, trademarked or copyrighted creatures as well, maybe like the beholder, but it has to be very specific. Like you could make like a bullshit, like I monster. That's the same similar thing. And then wizards can't copyright the game mechanics. You you can't copyright game mechanics. And so they don't own any of that. So instead they own all the IP stuff. So it's always been a very murky nebulous system on how people can create content for. And the OGL helped uh, give a lot of uh, comfort and stability for creators to, uh, be able to create their stuff and have it be part of this license, which has been in effect since the year 2000. So about the start of third edition, OG, uh, Wizards has apparently made a few changes here and there. So on January 5th, this uh, article got posted, which was a leaked version of the new OGL 1.1. And the biggest red flag is it apparently deauthorized all of the original open gaming license and was going to replace it with this new one. The old one was about 900 pages, uh, 900 words and the new one was about 9,000 words and had a whole lot of information about uh, new royalty sharing systems and a lot of um, red flag language about hey we're going to own all of your content we can use it in any way possible 
And also we can change this new OGL in any way that we want. Like it just kind of couched in a lot of, it was, it was very far reaching with everything they wanted. And people, I was gonna say lost their minds, but kind of appropriately so, I think. <laughs> we got, it, got, it got a little hot. Things got a little hot. Yeah, that was, it really blew up from there. And in fact, we didn't even get a statement from Wizards of the Coast until January 10th. So it was five days later, which was an eternity in the 24-hour news cycle. And that statement was through the D&D Beyond Twitter account. I basically just said, like, stay tuned for an update or something. It was just them trying to say something, even though they have nothing to say. Um, and what's crazy, the timeline was originally that this document mentioned they were going to uh, have it release like right then and like have people have like one week to even sign up for it. And this was something that had been happening in December, apparently, where different big uh, creators had been uh, given this document and said, hey, this is the new OGL. We're going to expect people to sign it. Maybe there's some sweetheart deals involved to where a lot of bit. And that's how this whole thing got started is a lot of major publishers started talking to other people saying, well, wait a minute, this is what is happening right now. <laughs> and thus... Uh, it eventually hit this uh, leak to this uh, website, and uh, now it became public information for everybody to look at. Um, and, and feel free if you want to jump in at, at these timelines. Do you want to talk about this? I'm already talking now? a lot. Yeah, I was, I was setting I this. I think, like, like each point could be discussed. I think so. Or we could, or we could get to the whole thing and then, and then do a... Uh, yeah, so how do, how do we feel about the original leak document? Did all of you... Chris, did you... Were you aware of this right off the bat? Did this hit your feed or... Like, how did this it even... did, but probably a little later than most folks because I'm not tuned in um, terribly well. Um, but, you know, once things start showing up on Reddit, th th then I become aware of their existence. <laughs> so uh, that didn't take too long, I don't think. This is all, this is all early January, right? Yes, January 5th was January when that original January, leak yeah. went, yeah. Okay, yeah. We're all still yeah, hungover I mean, from the holidays. That's, that's right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I was aware of it. I had, I at the time, I had no idea what it meant. I, I, yeah. I needed to have people explain to me what what the implications of it were, and yeah. So, I, I, my initial thoughts were, I'm going to wait for people to tell me what I should think about. <laughs> that's that's uh, prudent, uh, Brandon. How did you feel when you first saw the uh, the very first article? I guess. I think one of the things that I mentioned was that uh, I, I I went back through the Patreon or through the discord uh in the conversations and it was the 12th i think when i actually made a comment in the with the group yeah <clears throat> so that's the the lead time from when the stuff was released into when it started to come up into my algorithms and i think it had even been in my algorithms before that but i kind of was just like mm, that doesn't really apply to me so much i'm gonna ignore it for a minute um and then it got bigger and bigger and i started seeing the um what was the D and D cancellation thing that they were running? Yeah, D and D Beyond subscriptions, but it was D and D Be Gone. Oh, the hash, yeah, yeah that, they were the, starting to yeah. do. I started to see stuff like that around yeah. that same time frame. Stuff trending. And, uh, yeah, that, I think that's when I started paying more attention to it. As far as first thoughts, I, I think for me it was as, and I'm jumping ahead of the timeline here, right? It's as the other third party publishers start saying, as a result of this, yeah, we're that's the going next bit. To, um, <laughs> I. I my initial impression was I understand why they're having to go this route. I, 
they've chosen to make this their livelihood as a result of them choosing to make this their livelihood. This is the only response they have available to them. Yeah. Um, does a diluted. And I don't even know if I'm wording this right because I'm coming from very much a consumer perspective. I'm not coming from a creator perspective. Yeah. I'm not coming from somebody who builds and, and makes things. Um, does it take away from our experiences uh, to have it watered down and spread out further instead of improving uh, a strong system already um, as other third part, and we'll get into that more, but, but I think that was my initial thought was, is this good for the hobby or is this bad for the hobby? I know that um, one of my first thoughts was, well, technically this is a leaked draft that the company it leaked from has not made a statement on yet. Yes. And the last thing I want to do is jump in and immediately start waving pitchforks around. I'm not much of a pitchfork waving person either. I'm I'm not I don't typically go in for hero worship nor um the opposite of that. What is that? Villain vilification. Right. <laughs> I tend to be more even keeled about all these things. But um I, I know I, I kind of had a bit of a wait and see. Like, okay, how does this unfold? What is gonna be their statement? And then we kind of know what ended up happening there. But I know my initial thing I was, you know, reading through it and said, Okay, well, on the one hand, it kind of makes sense for them to make some updates at some point to a 20-year-old system when, you know, things like virtual tabletops weren't, weren't even in existence back then. Like, that kind of stuff, it makes sense to want to update it. And yet, this does seem like a very drastic change to go from, yes. yeah. you know, the original to this new one. So, we were all waiting to see. Uh, John, how did you feel when you first saw this original leak? Uh, so, I would say, I mean, I'm mostly kind of a Reddit consumer. So, like... Like I had that where it popped up in my feed probably a couple days after that where I started noticing it. And, and I, you know, I kind of thought, you know, I'm mostly a consumer. So, yeah, this isn't that big a deal. And then when I saw it a couple of times and really saw because uh, I saw, you know, some some of the some of the ramifications and started reading uh, about some of the things from smaller producers. Mm. That was when I was like, you know, OK, although. Like I've probably spent the most money on actual, you know, Wizards of the Coast content. I also really like some of that third party supplement stuff yeah, that I've added yeah. in. And so like that really started to worry me because I have really felt like there's there's a handful of content that is notably better story and better prepped to, you know, just sit down as the DM and run with it from that third party content I mean, versus creators. some of the stuff that Wizards does. There, there are creators and, who, whose whole thing is making like addendums to existing campaigns, right? Like, like mm -hmm. just making additional stuff for existing. Uh, Shout out to content. Dan Con's Eastern Expanded Towers of Magic, <laughs> which I'm running now in our Ravathosman campaign. <laughs> nice, yeah. So, so that was, I think, that was when like I first started to to kind of take notice. Was when I thought some of these other creators are going to be impacted by that, which then would start to affect my ability to use some of that content. And yeah, then, yeah. And that, that would and been, then, I think that would probably affected most of us because, like, you know, most uh, on the consumer side, most of us are getting some of this smaller content, right? We're using yeah. it. the the fact that these people can put stuff on DMs Guild or Roll Twenty or whatever, and it's it's D and D content is has yeah. been useful to most DMs. Yeah. So, and then I think I think probably the other little bit that was like. I felt like it was extremism, but also like, like kind of really caught my attention was when they did start talking about like, how would this affect 
YouTube creators. I mean, you're, you're a good example of that. Like you've, you know, built all of this content that's based on that D and D, are they going to come after, you know, you for, you know, any sort of like either cease and desist or like a chunk of your revenue, you, you know, you get required to pay them. And so that was where I was like, although some of that was very extremism and it's in people's reaction, I also felt like that was very much like that was kind of the, I don't know. I felt like that sounds like BS. I really kind of like hate them for <laughs> that even being a possibility. At this right. Point. It's like, it felt like an extreme reaction, but it also felt like, well, nothing in the text explicitly says that these extreme reactions are wrong. <laughs> so we can't really tamp them down. It does feel much. like a caricature of a villainous corporation to be like, why don't we just ask for more money without giving them any new products or anything you know like that that whole aspect of like hey we're just gonna start charging you for this now we're gonna or start demanding more money yeah. out of you versus like just you know if you guys are needing money uh you're owned by hasbro and hasbro makes a lot of toys why aren't you like merchandising the shit out of DD? why isn't there an right. entire dungeons and dragons toy section at target right. or something like those <laughs> yeah. Those creatures are so fucking cool. You could do so many things with them. Like I, it, uh, that's a, I guess it's a separate rant, but, but instead we're going to go after, you know, critical role and, and cobalt press and Paizo and all these guys because they're making too much money and the audacity of even trying to say major corporations are making this money. Like, like, bro, <laughs> you, you are the majorest of major companies Hasbro. here. You're- yeah. <laughs> You are the, the biggest percent of the pie. You're these yeah. guys, you know. Pop meat kettle. And that doesn't necessarily make Paizo automatically the good guys. You know, people are trying to, like, pick their teams and all this. Like, this shouldn't necessarily be a team sport that we're talking about here. These are, most of these are all, you know, companies. But still, it it, it looked really shitty, I think, from uh, Watsi's viewpoint. And a lot of people immediately took that and, and got the pitchforks out. And, and yet, even outside of the money thing, I saw a lot of reactions that seemed to people seem to be afraid of like, uh, Wizard of the Coast going like full Nintendo on the internet. Yeah, like just no one can release our content unless we actively approve that that it's that that, that it's okay for for us yeah. that you release this. So they could have come to you, Eric, and been like, "Nope, sorry, we we're we're not okay with you running this campaign." Because right, you have to be we a we don't like the look of your YouTube channel or whatever, you know. Or you have to be an official part, which I, I mean, Nintendo works. You have to be an official partner yeah. with Nintendo, and then yeah, have all these um, contracts and things. Yep. Yeah, and that's you know something where it's like, well, you know, when you first did the OGL, I get it. They they didn't have. Um, you know, YouTube didn't exist. I I think in two thousand or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, certainly not the same way. Not the same. You know, yeah. And, and like I said, virtual tabletops. Like the, I get having to update agreements and licenses because of the technology changes. But it, it felt like this. Yeah, this was just way too of an extreme move. And then to suddenly demand royalties just because I, I have a feeling they're looking at all these big companies going, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Some you're of these folks are making money. a mint off of our game system. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but how many people have they brought to your game system? Right. Yeah. You know, which is the same kind of the same concept of how YouTube and all the other, you know, creators work also. Is And a lot of everybody but Nintendo understands this. We're like holy shit, it does us so good to have these big name streamers showing our, like, indie, like, holy shit, like, indie uh, uh, developers 
would cut off their arm to have a, a big streamer like show their game because they know that is the best marketing they can do versus anything else, especially yeah. with any demographic of like, you know, under 40, basically. And yeah. the fact that Wizards is looking at that going, no, 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 we need to get some more money out of that. Like, dude, you're the reason 5e is where it is right now is because of how open and friendly this license is and how people have gone onto it. I will mention, though, I don't want to conflate things. The DMs Guild does not use the open gaming license. I think that's been some confusion around here. So if you want to publish something on the DMs Guild, that is an entirely different license because the DMs Guild does specifically allow you to use all their IP, which is how you have third-party creators come in and say, well, I want to make this adventure specifically for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden and reference things in there and do all that. You can totally do that, but you can only publish it on the DMs Guild. You have to submit it to them. It can only be sold there. It can ever be sold anywhere else. And they take 50% of your... 50% It is a straight 50% cut, which is obviously atrocious compared to just about every other thing you can think of. So that's... Yeah. Yes, it's an important thing to note. So what the OGL meant is, hey, you can still make 5e products, but that's the one where it says you can't use any of our IP stuff, but you can still use the game system. So, for example, when you see so things dumb, dumb on... question. Yeah. Or sorry, I was going to say, when I go to DriveThruRPG, are they using the OGL? No. Or, sorry, okay. yes, they are using the OGL. They're not oh, using they the DM's are. Guild license, which is the okay. difference. So DriveThruRPG, okay. even though it's owned by the same storefront and everything, which gets a little confusing, <laughs> and has fucked me yeah. up before when I'm doing reviews, because I try to yeah. mention if I'm doing a DM's Guild or a DriveThruRPG review. That DriveThruRPG specifically does use the OGL. So you can use 5e, but that's the one where you have to have the page, you know, at the end of your document, you know, I can't reviewed a lot of products, so I'm using this. There's a page of the licensing agreement on there, and then you okay. can't use anything that is from the Wizards IP yeah. universe. So you yeah. can't have anything on DriveThruRPG and mention Waterdeep or mention Orcus or mention, uh, you know, whatever the frig- or a specific Forgotten Realm story. Mm-hmm. You can't even use the word, you can't use the phrase Dungeons and Dragons. You can say 5e. You know, it's 5e compatible. Yeah. Same thing for Kickstarter. You want to put something on Kickstarter, um, like the one I just reviewed, you can totally do that. You can say 5e, but you have to come up with your own original stuff. Interestingly, also, you can't do it in reverse. I believe you can't do your own original world on the DMs Guild. You have to be in a wizard's world to be on the DMs Guild. So either you play with their fucking toys or you specifically oh, no. can't use their toys. <laughs> Never the two shall meet. <laughs> Yeah, so there's already I, I some important a, restrictions. A, I can see that from a brand protection standpoint. Exactly. Like, they don't like, want you to like make, like, Dildosville, all, yeah. and that's set in, right. yeah, right next door. It's it's a big <laughs> shop right there in Waterdeep. suburb of, of Waterdeep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, that's not cool. Which, which you know, for a segue, is partly apparently what they wanted to couch this new OGL, and they hid behind this shield of, like, well, we want to make sure, like, we're protecting the brand I, I, of I, the D&D and everything. <laughs> and I was like... We could go off on a whole rant about how, hey, Wizards, I don't think you yourselves have done a great track record of this, even as recent as the last few 5e releases where you've had to release erratas and, um, like, updates and, like, oh, wee bads on some of the shit that you've released. Uh, this, was, this was all the response, right? Because I, I, I think we're now getting to the next Okay, step. now we're segueing into the next area. So, okay, so, their, yeah, the original their, one was their, on January 5th. Kind of bullshit response. Yes, they released... So on, on January 10, they released that non-statement on Twitter that, through the D&D Beyond, basically. This has always been through D&D Beyond, by the way, is how they've chosen to use their, to this whole thing. And they were like, hey, stay tuned for an update. 
which I think it's important. Cert2B had co- even commented on this, I'm pretty sure, where D&D Beyond was created as a result of the OGL that Wizards of the Coast <laughs> then bought <laughs> yeah. and now is using as their mouthpiece. As their mouthpiece. I think that's an important thing. So, yeah. so it, but for, for one more piece of that, like they created on the OGL and then got a licensing agreement with wizards a custom to be able to sell the digital copies of wizards content and then after that is when uh wizards bought them bought them yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it is I- ironic that then that's what they're using <laughs> is, is, yeah. yeah yeah this wouldn't have this wouldn't have been ever been created without the the original ogl and yeah yeah, yeah. that's funny <laughs> Um, so to continue with the timeline, on January 10th, the same day, Cobalt Press, who I believe was the first to do this, but I'm not quite sure if, if they were literally the first, announced that they were going to make their own fantasy tabletop rule set with their own license and everything, and they nicknamed Project Black Flag, which they read the room and said, we need to channel this mob and become a... Mm-hmm hero standing at the front you know waving kind of a torch that's probably a poor analogy but uh and, and and it worked people immediately started flocking to cobalt press even though they're already a big company and i'm already a fan i've been a fan of them for years and obviously shameless plug we are currently running uh empire of the ghouls as a patreon dd game which is a cobalt press uh campaign one of their uh first i think full-length campaigns for fifth edition um so i i enjoyed the hell out of them uh and it was hilarious that they jumped on it and they were not alone. There was a bunch of them that came in, and then the next, uh, sorry, January 12th, Paizo, which uh, very famously has a history when basically Wizards did a similar shenanigans. I don't know the full history of that in uh, going from 3.5 to 4th edition, leaving uh, a lot of people behind. And then Paizo, who originally was, was making third-party uh, D&D content at that time, said, okay, we're going to make our own uh, <laughs> our own uh, rules that's we're just going to call it Pathfinder, but it's basically D and D three point five yeah. because fuck you guys, you can't copyright game mechanics. <laughs> yeah, and it worked pretty well. And for years afterwards, they outsold D and D. That's how big it was. And then only when D and D released fifth edition did D and D actually get back on top, and they've been on top since then. Uh, Paizo announced their own uh, open RPG creative license, which they cutely uh, acronymed to Orc, which I thought was pretty awesome. I don't know if they're making their own. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if they're making their own rules set. And it might've just been their own license they're doing. I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't quite quite sure on that one. Uh, And a couple, like I think Matt Colville is also making uh, his own uh, rule sets. And so in other words, what happened is a lot of third party companies, big and small have suddenly realized, boy, this ecosystem is really bad. People hate D and D right now. A, I'm going to take advantage of the moment, but B, I'm also worried about the future of how of what my relationship is to this company and to D&D. So maybe I need to start, hopefully, using the audience I already have and using the momentum of this moment to maybe generate something new. And I'd like to think that that might have affected Wizards a little bit <laughs> in addition to all the other community backlash they saw. Well, it was no. those people who started the D&D Be Gone thing and canceling D&D subscriptions after that. There was a series yes. of creators. I don't know when the exact um, timeline of that uh, yeah. is because I didn't have like an, you know, a specific article on that. But it was around that time that people started rallying about, hey, 
the one bottom line they're going to see, I, I, I don't know if somebody announced this, that like this is the one metric they had to look at for D&D, which was D&D beyond subscriptions, because it was hard to look at any other metrics they had in terms of their it, sales. It was definitely a group of um, people, the D&D shorts he, guy uh, from, I think his name's Will, and then a guy named Ted from Ter- Nerd Immersion, and then Jenny D, and I think... Um, uh, Mark Holmes Humes um, started all kind of doing the same thing. They were like, "Hey, our livelihoods built on these channels that are built around specifically D and D, and we see the risk of what's happening here too. So please cancel your subscriptions." And it was almost like there was a little bit of collaboration between them, or yeah. it was, "Hey, this seems like a good idea. I'm going to recommend the same thing." I'm not sure which. Yeah, this is where I'm going to go on a little bit of my don't ever trust a corporation rant because. It's not like like their decision and was the coast decision. I, it, the 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 instinct to attribute malice or or and what's the uh, generosity or or whatever to to certain actions. I think when you when you're talking about like you know a company, it, it can't be thought of like that. It's all just formulas. It's all an explosion going into whatever the the easiest a- access is or what's the the path of least resistance that's what i'm thinking of it's it's all mechanical and, and so like even even the reaction to it even even all the 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 pathfinder and uh and paizo, paizo and cobalt pressed their reaction to it is the same thing it's a formula before their livelihood had wizards of the coast plugged into a certain part of the formula and that formula was good, right? They, they, mm. their, 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 their livelihood was was uh, installed with that relationship with Wizards of the Coast intact. As soon as you take that chunk of the formula out, it doesn't make sense anymore. And so they just got to kind of rewrite that formula and make a new decision based off of that. And I think that's the same thing that happened to Wizards of the Coast once, once the, the backlash started is, okay, the formula that we thought we were going to make more money by, by, by doing this thing. That's how we wrote this all out. This is how the... the the you know black ink on white paper said that this would happen, but now that you know the D and D gone or whatever thing <laughs> started starts happening, that formula doesn't make sense anymore. So I think it's just you know corporations are they don't have morality or ethics or or a, a, a sense of self even they they are a group of people. Some of them want to be artists. Some of them want to make money, and they're only common unified goal is the success of the company they're at which is usually equal to making money so that's that's what's always going to end up being the decision making uh what do you call it trump card i guess yeah i i don't disagree um and these i I think it was a big deal when these came out and these uh other publishers and third-party creators big ones that had you know big followings and a lot of content said you know what this we're gonna need to make something new and what's interesting is their statement after all this uh kind of came around again is uh i've been undeterred as well so but, which uh, makes sense right it does because like, it's hard to backpedal on that we now can't, we can't yeah. trust you now it's like... right and, and to and to extent wizards did lose a lot of trust with folks but this was the beginning i think of the official erosion i think and when a lot of people started taking real serious notice about like for me example i looked at that going oh shit like this is serious like cobalt press and paizo and these other big companies uh are saying 
because I, I, you know, supposedly they're looking at the same contract, going, "No, this isn't going to work for us. This is specifically aimed at uh, belittling, yeah. yeah, us and and slowly eroding the level we had before." And what's interesting is they were at a level, presumably, that they could say, "No, fuck you. I'm actually going to take all my stuff and go open my own store or, or whatever equivalent." Which I, I maybe is a testament to how successful Five E has been, but also has to be pretty nerve wracking because Five E has been so successful to then say, okay, we're gonna pull all of our shit. Oh, and they're not—I don't think they're gonna pull that. But in terms of their new stuff, and who knows how, what time, you know, stuff that's already been in development—that's not gonna get changed. But future stuff, you know, maybe that comes out more in the middle or later of the year. Uh, what does that look like? And especially, which we're going to talk to later, what does that look like for the new edition of D&D? I think is where they're really going to start losing people because 5e, I think, is is back to normal now. So that's that happened. And then finally, a day after Paizo announced the Orc license, we got Wizards' first official statement, which was on a D&D Beyond, a kind of like message board looking thing, unsigned it just said D beyond staffed which is very shitty and thankfully they realized pretty quickly how shitty it was <laughs> that they need to put a, at least a name and a face somebody has to own up to it um and it i did a youtube video about it which you know i'm not the kind of person that comes on and does these like hot take stuff that's just not what my content has been about and not really my personality either but i did one for the ogl because it was such a big deal and then Literally, I think they made that statement like a day or maybe Paizo did there. Something happened where I was like, I made another one like two days later. And I basically like read through their statement and it was credit to them for at least mentioning some problems with their own um, stuff they fucked up on. Um, they initially said, this is the one where they kind of hid behind the shield. Like, oh, we want to try to, you know, keep any bad eggs or so that uh, I found gross. Yeah, that was that them trying to hide behind racism and whatever else. I'm trying to this, find the quote, this, but yeah, hate speech and whatever else they're trying to hide behind. Additional language allowing us that to address discriminatory and hateful conduct and clarifying what types of products OGL yeah. covers. Yeah, blah blah blah. And they mentioned that like a couple I, times. Well, like, and they, I, that where? was the first. That was their first thing that they used as their excuse. Yeah. It was like the 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 primary reason. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That's the, like the, that's the second sentence. Yeah. We had three major goals in mind. First, we had the ability to prevent the use of D&D content from being included in hateful and discriminatory products. Yep. I, I, Wait, I, show me. <laughs> has that ever been a problem before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I generally found this. I mean, I'm sure there's some toxic tables somewhere, yeah. but I generally found this community to be like way more accepting and open of, you know, of everything yeah yeah versus a lot of like like video game community yeah there's a lot of really toxic culture yeah. through and through there yes this one i feel like it's a couple of niche pockets you know you yeah, gotta I mean, I, I guess i guess the thing about it, i guess i've i've read like like one shots that have like maybe a little bit too much sexual assault in them where i'm like all right <laughs> a little person too wrote this, a little the person who's go who wrote this is going through some shit or has some <laughs> this probably needs to be out. like fanfic that never gets published yeah, but that's the thing like that's not the same thing because anybody yeah. could write fanfic of anything that's, right. that's gross and and you know offensive yeah and that's not the same thing as and it can't use their ip anyway unless it's on the yeah. dm's guild and the dm's guild has very strict things on that in fact that's a whole another topic you could talk about how some folks have been very upset about what they won't and 
will and won't allow and how it, there's maybe some hypocrisy involved in uh, the DMs Guild's publishing. But in terms of, yeah, the OGL, like, you can't use their stuff anyway. So I don't know how much you're going to protect the brand or protect your game mechanics. Right. Like, yeah, And yeah, exactly. the community will will come through for that. And the other thing they mentioned was uh, NFTs, blockchains, like, got to protect us from that. They just, they just did a Google search of what, what do the nerds hate right now? <laughs> yeah, what, what, that's true. What, what's, what's, all, what's, like, top ten most hated things? It's like an ad libs, like, fill in. <laughs> a big part of that was that they've got, from my understanding, there's, the, like, Power Ranger NFTs or something. Like, they, they oh, were Hasbro already, has done it. <laughs> yeah, they were already oh, doing their own NFTs, wow. too. That's funny. And third, we want to ensure the OGL is for the content creator, the home brewer, the aspiring designer, our players, and the community, not major corporations to use for their own commercial and promotional purpose. So they're just saying they're just thumbing their their nose at like, oh well, these some of these companies get a little too big for their britches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I really want to know who they're talking about. Like, are they talking about Critical Role? Like, is that the level that they're talking about? Right. Like, like I, they must. Or are they be, talking and... about like? I mean, because that, that's like the biggest. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, who who's making the most well, money off of which they've already partnered right and have custom agreements with yeah. Wizards, and they've released official five e books based on the critics. So they're already like stuff going on in there. Yeah, it, I I I, I, th- I just find that one a little bit bullshit. Yeah, too. like it seemed I, to me like it might have been directed toward people like Matt Colville and MCDM because he yeah. was not trying to work with Wizards. Oh. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, his head designer is James Intricasso or whatever. Um, who's had like a strong role in a lot of stuff too, yeah. that they were both saying like, we don't want to work on 5e stuff for the rest of our lives. And as a result, I'm, I'm talking completely out of my bottom um, and whatever hyperbole and whatever. But my guess is that it's probably places like him. He's had successful Kickstarters yeah. over and over that, you know, he's, he's open to corporation. He's hiring artists. He's, yeah. he's doing things right, and paying right. them higher he's, prices than what he was doing. He's starting to, to be not, not on the same level, but to be a competitor. I like, like, I like, yeah. a, li- like a little, yep. a little leech around their feet. And it's like, ah, oh, we can't have that. Well, the weird so I'm thing- not saying it was solely for him or yeah. anything, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure. And, now, level, and he's one of the ones that's like- now making his own, I think, complete yep. system. Now he's just yeah. like, well, yep. fuck this. I'm just going to do the own thing. So the, yeah. the two I saw brought up after, after this one, um, one is, um, there's like a there's a Star Wars variant, uh, like Knights of the Republic or something that's completely based off of the 5e system. Mm. And it draws very strong, like even though they're not using any specific Wizards content, it is very much like like it's like they took fifth edition and reskinned it. it. Yeah. Right, right. And, and it's super popular to the point that um, now that Star Wars is uh, Disney property, like I guess Disney has been talking about um, converting it to a video game and making an <laughs> updated thing, and so like all of that, that is I all. I believe what Spur was the coast yeah. action. Like ha- Spur Hasbro into action. That yeah. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> to, to that, and then the other one is um, Oculus, which is you know Facebook or Meta or whatever. Oculus has a. a a D and D, they 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 call it. Um, what is it? It's like dice and dragons or something. I think is what it's called. Oh. And, and and it is like it's a virtual reality tabletop where, mm. like, you can like move in through the dungeon and look at your character from different angles as the character is moving through, and then you roll dice that like 
that clatter through the characters on the board. It lo- it's it's pretty yeah. slick. I played the demo of it. That sounds cool. Um, you know what? Hasbro should just make their own fucking version <laughs> and compete <laughs> if they want to be a good yeah, capitalist company. Yeah. I guess, I guess yep. this is another question too that probably sounded like you want to talk about at the end, but how much of this, this new OGL was almost future proofing for things that they wanted to do, but they Well, it was totally to future proofing because they, they even said one of the things in the original leak was like, uh, uh, this is not set in stone. <laughs> like we yeah. can always yeah, update can, and change this. this yeah. And people were saying, well, shit, look at what you just did and made all these changes. Yeah. Like who knows? Like we can't trust you. Who knows what the fuck you're going to come with. You're going to come up with when the next big thing happens and you have to make an adjustment. Like this is the opposite of stability. If you're yeah. going to make this a, revocable license from right. here on out but it so, almost seemed like to like to your your vr thing it's like it, 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 leaving themselves the room to go like oh i see your good idea i'm gonna shut you down and yeah. we're gonna make our own good idea over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was them running into the problem of like oh shit we have this license that allows people to do this we have to just change the license yeah. in order to go get anywhere from here well and it seems I'm sure there's speculation there too, but the release of one D and D and the promotion and the yeah. advertising and all of that was the, I don't know, the distraction, the the smoke and mirrors for the change, I think is where most of the community started to feel. Yeah. Oh, I think they yeah. wanted to add the, this new, they had, okay, we're going to have this new D and D, this big new push. We're going to add, we got to update our license and add it with that, but we're going to have to revoke the old one because if our new one's going to be more restrictive and have all these new rules, we can't have people saying, oh, well, I'm not doing that. We're just going to stay with the old system then and stay right, with the old yeah, version because right. we want people to go to the new one. Right. Now that is the problem they're going to run into because I, and I think that's what happened is they said, we, we do need to revoke the old one so that people can't just stay with old versions of D&D. We don't want, we don't want people to stay with fifth edition. We want people to move to our new version because we're going to have these new closed ecosystems and these new, licensing agreements that are more in our favor um i think that's that was their whole plan was rolling out this new update ahead of when when dnd was going to release so it wasn't going to be as big jarring change and now it bit yeah. him in the ass so hard that i'd be very curious to see how they make that transition to, to even sell and you know what well now you just got to make one dnd so fucking good <laughs> that people right. are going to want to swallow that yeah. pill so this opening one was really shitty and they even said the line um to hear, let's say, uh, we'll be able to release a new OGL today because we need to make sure we get it right, but it is coming. Second, so, you're going to hear people say that they won and we lost oh because my. making your voices heard forced us to change our plans. Those people will only be half right. They won, and so did we. Yeah, so <laughs> this actually kind of contradicts what I was saying earlier when I was saying that like a corporation is not a, not a person. It's a collection of individuals with only one thing in common. This to me reeks of like an HR team has been working on this all day. Oh yeah. And an executive an executive walks into the room and is like, You motherfuckers are gonna put this 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 line <laughs> into the speech because I am not gonna be embarrassed. I am not gonna look like yeah. uh, I put this thing I put this thing together that got, that's now getting shit on. Yeah. So it, that that to me like reeked of like half half written by HR, half written by some exec who does not want to look like so, fail. Fun fact, um, which I would very much recommend people watch the interview with Kyle Brink, who eventually did the uh, the the uh, signed statements in the two that followed here uh, by Three Black Halflings uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and during the interview, um, Kyle uh, Jeremy brought up the uh, 
that exact phrase. He's like, who fucking wrote this? Which, credit to him for, for mentioning that. Like, it's it's one thing for us to discuss this. It's another thing to have yeah. a fucking dude who was, the there, who was there talking to you, you know, face-to-face, but still be able to bring that up. Like, that's ballsy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I, I wrote down notes on that whole. It's a very good uh, interview, by the way. I recommend everybody watching. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. And yeah. uh, he said, I don't know who contributed to the unsigned statement before. So very vague deflection, right? Yeah. I'm not going to mention, yeah. which we expect you to say that. Uh, he said he wasn't pleased with what they posted. And he decided to take ownership um, because that's not us, nor who we should be. It is... It should be less of a committee thing and more of a D&D thing. So he wouldn't cop to who said that. And he wouldn't throw any, any ex- well, yeah. he probably reports to As more to Chris's point. As more to Chris's point, yeah. Yes, but, I, but I think they realized, it, you know, when he brought up his facial expressions, like you could tell that was like, yeah, that they know that didn't go over pretty well. <laughs> so some, we some, wanted this feedback from everybody. Like, yeah, you didn't want this feedback. Senior, you didn't some senior <laughs> vice president walked into the room yeah. and gave notes. And yeah. that's... <laughs> yeah, so that's... So, so uh, Jeremy brings up, uh, or he, when he was talking about that, he brought up another thing that I thought was pretty funny and have seen, like, some memes of it floating around. But, like, if you, on Google search, if you type they won, like... <laughs> It's it's within the top couple that it auto completes. Uh, they won and so did we. Yeah, <laughs> that was the whole that, on the Google trending. Yeah, that's huge. I can almost be one of those just bad Japanese to English translations. Yeah. They won and so did we. Yeah, well, and so so that was one. I saw somebody's commentary on that that like like that letter is going to be used yeah. um, in like uh, like for PR majors in college on what not to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This whole situation. Yeah. It could be a case study. If anybody was in college right now studying, uh, you know, business and you had a slightly nerdier uh, professor, then I think this would be a, a fantastic <laughs> case study. I know when I was in um, uh, slight sidetrack, I was in college um, forever ago uh, in film school and talking about uh i think it was the history of television or something and the infamous super bowl nipple gate happened i believe jennifer uh or sorry justin timberlake ripping off uh janet jackson i think it was and exposed to yeah and uh that became like a topic in our class and we talked about like the censorship laws all the different stuff yeah and like how the technology and the copyright and all that stuff which was just a funny way of how like the topical thing like right then happened actually did uh, become a topic in class. All right, yeah. so that was January 13th. All right, so we're a week into this right now. Uh, almost a week later, and I'm not, I, things probably happened in between there, but on January 18th is when I believe we get our first Kyle Brink statement uh titled a working conversation about the open game license and this time we have a signed hey and it starts i'm kyle brink the executive producer on DD. it's my team that makes the game we all play so automatically we change from like this kind of corporate speak to hey let me sit down and play good cop and right. uh you know talk to you about this and literally one of the first things he says is let me start with an apology we're sorry we got it wrong it's like it took them this long but they finally were like okay and this has just been reached a boiling point at this point like everybody that D beyond is going crazy the everybody's canceling their D 
Beyond subscriptions. I was going to ask, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot. Do any of you have D&D Beyond? Have you used it? Do you have subscriptions to it? Were you motivated to change your memberships because of this? So, so I have it, um, and, and I own quite a bit of, or, you know, I've purchased quite a bit of content on there. Um, I, I really found it as like an invaluable tool for trying to help my players. The couple of, ge- the couple of tables that I run, uh, I'm, I'm playing with people that aren't, they really enjoy playing, but they aren't the geek level VR. What's that? Is this in person? Yeah. Okay, I about to say like I feel like that's why I've never done it is because I've never like I feel like yeah. it's, a, it's an well we everything's to roll twenty when we do yeah, it but. Yeah. so this is so it, yeah so it's so the way the character sheets build in roll twenty um like D and D Beyond provides all of that only it is it is even more on rails like it yeah. it won't let you pick things that that like your your class and your race are not eligible you customize it and mess with it right yeah so there there is like an unlock that you can go in and you can like unlock and then it's like a free-for-all but if you don't unlock it keeps you perfectly on the rails within the rules uh, of how it's written and so yeah. so for me to to throw this to a group of friends and to throw it to my family are the two main tables that i run uh it's just so easy because i can like i've i've paid for the content and so then I can just hand them a link and right. they get a list of all the races and they choose their race and they get a list of all the classes and they choose their class and then they get their subclass options and it just, it builds it all for them. Um, nice. Especially for a modern era where people were all used to apps and things and having selecting menus. I think, I, I feel like that's more intuitive, especially for people that haven't, don't have that background of pen and paper it's, it's, a, it seems very small aside. I remember reading that that was one of the things that that uh, Wizards of the Coast executives were mad about, with which which is why with Five E is so popular. But how easy the the access is, like oh, like players don't necessarily need to buy books, and that that upset the the executives at Wizards of the Coast. Like, why would we not? How, how are we not getting money out of every player mm. of this game? So, but but it's I don't know. I feel like some of that goes back to you know like an old school table where, um, you know, if it's a group of five friends, all five of them are not buying their own players handbook. Right, yeah. Right. You know, it's a weird economy system where like the, the DM is basically doing like 90% of the, the content. Yeah. yeah. Consumerism, yeah. I guess. Or, or so, so some of the other like people that I'm friends with on, on discord that, that run tables that way, they've done it at like as a pooled. Okay. I'm going to be, account owner but everybody yeah. has pitched in money yeah. to buy different adventures before. or you know the different so. books what's that yeah i feel like we've done that once before i feel like so too yeah one of, one of the campaigns either i remember it was you or me but one of us bought the campaign on roll 20 and yeah. the rest of us just gave you gave the other person five bucks this was before like, okay. i basically partnered with roll 20 <laughs> yeah right yeah and had everything so- my my group that's exactly what we've done we've got kind of one person that's the arbitrator for the games and so i'll gift him the things that i want um and i've got sunk cost fallacy with roll 20 at this point i'm so deep into their architecture that it's like (laughs) the funny thing is 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 that so um just around christmas time there was a D D beyond 
discount. And it was like, hey, you can get these things uh, for this big, huge price. And I actually took my work game, which is an in-live, uh, in-person game, and I had brought it up to them. I was like, hey, do you guys think that you're interested in having these tools available to you? Because even though I'm on Roll20, I'll, I will go through the process of getting these tools if you think you guys will use them. Interestingly enough, they all decided they preferred the pen and paper prospects. They don't, they haven't experienced the, the beauty and wonder of the math being done for you. Um, <laughs> But but they they like you know having the the tangible stuff and then so what I do is I use a certain referencing website um, that has facilitated the majority of my needs. Um, so yeah. it, I would use digital all day. And the thing that reminds me of using pen and paper is uh, we played through Gloomhaven, and then we're playing through Frosthaven right now, and that still uses old school paper sheets to keep track of your little uh, characters like experience and gold and items. And I'm constantly, cause every battle you're having to erase and mark and erase and mark. And I was like, <laughs> my handwriting is also atrocious, like really, really yeah. bad. I tend to write faster than I should. And God, I, I would just use digital for everything. I think if I, even if I was around a table, I think I would use as much digital as I possibly could, <laughs> but that that's a total like subjective thing. I know folks. Yeah. And that's the argument. They have a great product. Yeah. They, they really yeah. do. I, I think D&D Beyond is a fantastic product. I, I, I considered doing it with the discount, but that's my argument is that I didn't, I hated the concept of you're going to make me buy, we're getting off the topic a little bit, but this goes back into their monetization. Yeah, yeah. Argue, which is relevant, is, I think. Is that you buy the physical book, you would think it's pretty easy to just provide a code that you can yeah. submit yeah. for a digital copy of the same book that you purchased. Yeah. Uh, to make me buy two products of the same thing, I'm not doing it. That, that's I something I think they need to make part of their new edition is they need to somehow come up with some plan to sync together a physical and digital version because that would go over really, really smoothly. I, I'm yeah, pretty sure they did that with the um, physical copy for an extra five bucks. I can have the digital version. I, I would go for that. Yeah. Well, the yeah. pre-order of Dragonlance, I'm pretty sure did this. It was one of their first releases that did it. I'm pre and I'm pretty sure pre the pre-order for Dragonlance did it. And yeah. I was like, okay, Wait, that seems like it's. Were a they tied? The right oh, were they tied it into D and D Beyond? Here, yep. And here, here's yep. the, the challenge with with that, and that's that. what gets around this challenge is that physical assets, having a code tied to a physical asset is a fucking nightmare because then you're then you're talking about sealed copies and you're talking about. Um, customers returning things if, if, a, if a code that's is true. used. I don't that's know, true. Like, How long do we have to keep this ecosystem up or as long as this yeah, thing is out there? With, yeah. with a pre-order, they could tie it to your email that you order the, the asset on and they can just send you the code and yeah. that, that, that's, that covers it. Which maybe that's, that's fine. Just let, let people buy stuff, buy physical things online and that, that, that yeah. online purchase counts towards yeah, cause, the Because the, the Dragonlance pre-order was through one of the one of the Wizards of the Coast website. So, so if you went and bought the pre-order on Amazon, you didn't get the digit. Not the pre-order, their portal. But then the problem is, and then there's going to be the argument that you're not supporting your local game store. That you're right, cutting right. out. Yeah, yeah. Then everything's going book. straight yeah, through. That, that. Uh, it's not a good answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vicious cycle. Yeah. I, um, I was like the people, the people who would like to use D and D Beyond and who want that that dual use case, those people could go through you know the the Wizard of the Coast portal itself. And then, but there's a lot of people who just want the book. They don't give a shit about D and D Beyond or yeah. the digital yeah. realm at all. I, I guess I didn't realize that D and D Beyond was a active like paid subscription thing. I always thought it was. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, don't you have to purchase like Xanathars and Tasha's and all this other content to even add on there? So then what does the what does the paid so, subscription give you? Okay, so um so you you buy the books to get access to the content. And if you haven't bought that book, that content is hidden behind the paywall. If you search for something that's if you haven't bought Tasha's and you search for something that's in Tasha's, um, it'll like show in the search, and when you click on it, it says you don't own this content. But you can all so, a cart purchase this thing for oh three ninety nine. Yeah, yeah you, like, oh, just just the one subclass that I want out of there. Yep. Oh yes. lord. Yeah. Oh yeah. They've they've definitely they figured that out really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which fine. But, like that's that's your ecosystem. That's what you want to you know you want to do the little monitor. That's that's some video game shit, and it it works for a lot of video games. Well, begrudgingly, obviously, by fans. Yeah. So, so buying the content uh, gets you access to it on your account and you don't have to pay a subscription and you can just access that content. Okay. So what paying a subscription does for you. Uh, so, and that's the, so the, and the other thing is on, on a non-subscription when you've just paid for that, you can make six characters and that's it, which for those of us that have made characters, you know, that six isn't <laughs> enough. You just you kind of make characters and okay, that one's, yeah. that one played so we're gonna just, just gonna make another one and then you have the theoreticals you make and, yeah and all, so so six is never enough but um uh, so what the subscription gets you then is it gets you unlimited characters for yourself and then it gets you the ability to start a campaign and when you start a campaign you can invite up to 15 other accounts to that one campaign and they get full access to all the content that you have paid for Okay. And so it's like sharing compendiums at that point. Yeah, yeah. twenty does, yeah. And then, and, and you can like have the physical, the physical thing of all the players coming to the table, and the, and the DMs got all the yeah. Books you got all the books, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. and you can have, I think you can have twelve campaigns total. Wow. So okay. Uh, like, I mean, if you Those have numbers more, are pretty generous. Fifteen's way more than you'd ever want. So for so for players, presumably, it's a slight, slightly less deal to be a subscriber, but for DMs. It's a probably a big deal to be a subscriber. Yes. So and then the and then the other thing with like being a DM is sort of like in Roll Twenty for you know for you Eric is my players in my campaign I have full access to their sheet and I can see like at any time I can pop up their sheet and see what their health is see what their items are yeah. um, like it you know I kind of like I had one session where I realized I calculated their their experience wrong and so instead of you know, like dealing with that, I just went in their sheets and added the experience. Um, you know, I let them mostly manage their page, but then I could just go and dump that in super easy. Oh, um, I could also go and like I like one of my characters, I got him, I made him a really custom uh, axe for his character. And it's like a it's like a heritage item if you've ever looked into those. And so his axe slowly scales with him as he levels up. And so I go in there and edit the details on that and it automatically adjusts for his character sheet. Okay. So, so cool things like that that it does. Well, now the question, did you feel motivated to cancel your sub based on all of this because of what happened or not? So, yeah, I, like I was really... Yeah, I, I was really tempted. I, I was feeling that like, you know, kind of like I, I don't like this. I kind of want to join the bandwagon here of like, you know, posting the cancellation. Um, yeah. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought um, like this at the moment, this is a tool that makes my life easier and makes this more fun for my friends and family. Yeah. Um, 
And, and so like, like I kind of made that choice that canceling this was going to hurt me and them more than my cancellation was going to hurt wizards. And mm-hmm. so, so I decided not to, but I, so I will on the timeline, uh, that was the gap there between when that, the anonymous statement and, uh, the statement from Kyle, that was when there was a couple of leaks that I think were in hindsight were definitely fake, but uh, like one of the most overblown ones was they were talking about changing the subscription from $50 a year to $30 a month. I never um, saw that. Yeah. And, and that's, that, I mean, yeah, people, I'm not I, sure that, I saw that's, that one either. that's the problem is that once, once uh, these, these pitchforks and torches get raised, you get <laughs> yeah. the mobs. You gotta be really careful. You, know, you, you, you get a mob of a hundred people. Yeah. yeah, four of them are going to be real assholes. At least four. And they're going like, <laughs> to be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of them have megaphones, unfortunately. Them, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to say any like, names or anything. Hey, but... little Susie's part of the bad part too. We should kill her. Yeah. It's like, all right, Jerry, yeah. shut the fuck up. You know. So <laughs> now, that one was the point where I kind of got, I felt really tense on that one because, and so I really started looking for what other tools are out there that could replace D and D Beyond. And that was actually where, um, you know, I, yeah, I haven't played on roll 20 a ton, but I really delved into like roll 20 and like how automated could this be? And it's, it's a little imperfect, but it's better than, you know, having someone, you know, do everything by pen and paper. Yeah. Um, The character monster, I think is is pretty solid. It's, what's funny is I just recently reviewed the uh, Pathfinder beginner box and the Pathfinder character sheet in roll 20 I was completely smitten with. Like I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is way sexier than Five E's sheet. It's so uh, cool." Chris, you need to watch uh, that review because, like, you can yeah. click. It has conditions, and you click a condition, it automatically does all the debuffs on your character sheet. Like it's oh, it's real nice. fucking slick, okay. but huh. does not have character monster support. And I thought that was Good such. Thing. This is uh, Pathfinder Second Edition specifically, which I thought was a huge bummer because I do think the character monster is such a cool tool for. 5th edition in Roll20 for the reasons that John just stated for D&D Beyond where it helps walk people through and you don't have to do all the guesswork and flip through books or anything and it yep. there's a, a couple of things where anything custom you know your DM allows or something you're going to have to do on your own but for the most part like it does everything and then compiles your character sheet and it works really well and it hasn't always been the case you know Roll20 has been a very like steady uh you know they they add little bits and pieces yeah. here and there over the years and that was just one of their it's slower big than ones I'd added. like but they do add it is yeah it's very time. slow and laggy yeah. It's, yeah um also talking about the timeline uh between that 13th uh unsigned statement and then I think the next big statement uh, Mike Shea from Sly Flourish had posted I looked up the date it was on the 16th okay and a lot of people had referenced his conversation because he had the most poignant response to somebody who's been not only uh, a creator but also a fan mm-hmm. of the game he, he makes great content he's enthusiastic he's motivated he's excited yeah, he's he the designer of the lazy dms uh yep. workshop oh, or something for those that. of you okay. yeah yep. and he's... absolutely i've read plenty of those yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> use a lot of his format one of the few I, I it's, it's youtube folks also that does kind of crafting style streams that i find i, yes. I don't know yep. if he streams them or maybe he started streaming them or not but he has them on youtube and uh they've been very enjoyable to watch for his campaigns so a lot of people had referenced his frustration that it was a a measured you know strong response to you've offended me and i've been nothing but supportive of you uh why would you do that and and i think that that is interesting because the timeline was two days later was when 
the Carl yeah, Brink statement comes out. Yeah. Which, I'm not, again, I'm not saying yeah. that it's it's cause and effect, but there's enough of yeah. that connection of when you've affected people like that. I, I, I don't know if you could point like, to any one specific as the catalyst, correct. but I think yeah. it was definitely yeah. all of these voices and everything being heard. Yeah, for I, sure. I, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I think it's back to that formula thing again, where like Wizard of the Coast did a thing that they thought was going to work, and then they see the reaction, which is, hey, the, the reaction to this statement is atrocious. Like, here's yeah. all the things that we can visibly see that we did wrong. And I also think that probably internally, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not calling him a liar that, that he, that he, you know, stepped up and said, I'm going to be the voice, but internally there was probably like somebody's gonna step up and be the boss yeah. who's yeah. it gonna be yeah who's, <laughs> like, gonna, who's gonna fall on the proverbial who's, sword who's gonna step up yeah yeah and be the spokesperson and basically play like the the forum moderator or something that comes in that's just yeah. like i gotta put on well, my flame retardant suit and just go out in there and, and i mean thankfully it's it's one of those situations where it gives an opportunity for some small leader within the business to be like all right I i'm gonna I handle this, this. And yeah. I'm gonna be a fucking hero if I do. Like yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna become somebody if I might really take care. It's of risky that. though, because man, it is that internet mob. Holy shit! Yeah. Like, ain't yeah. nobody wants to get in front of that. Like that does. It does like, also. Sorry. No, I was just gonna give credit to that. Like, you know, whatever you say about Kyle, like he. That's su- that's he, a sucky position to be did. in. He sure did. Yeah. yeah, and then he went on that interview with Three Black Halflings, and you know you'd have to do that. Like I thought that was. Yeah. I, I think. Although There's he did, couple... real quick, he did say, the, one of the very first things on the internet they said is he says that D&D Beyond Cancellations had no effect whatsoever on, uh, which, and basically he captured that, it as like saying, well, you know, we're yeah, a big corporation and things move slow. And of course we were having to, you know, immediately change things. And that, that's complete bullshit. That's you guys changed so fast. And plus you yeah. even, as I recall, they even had to, they cut that switch. I'm getting ahead of things slightly. They cut that survey <laughs> time they were going to have that survey remember it lasts until oh, early february <laughs> and within days they were like okay stop we're shutting the survey down <laughs> you know it's 98 percent. you guys hate our guts like we it's you know 88 percent. you're you're saying fuck D. like okay we get it we get it we're gonna release a new thing like right you know so they like yeah they you turned that shit around pretty quick yeah you reacted it, it was not something you planned to do no yeah they didn't they didn't plan on any of this shit to happen Going back to Kyle Brink being the person to take the fall, though, mm-hmm. they needed somebody in Watsi to be the spokesperson, I think. I don't think it would have made I, sense yeah. for somebody from Hasbro to do it. I don't think the community would have responded. That's well. true. And That's true, too. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, right. but has, but it's already turned into a situation where Hasbro is kind of hands-off, and they're the bad guy, and it still gets to make it to where Watsi employees are, we're on your side. We're on your side yeah. of the table, and yeah. we're... we're and that's the, the shittiest position to be in, right? Are the folks who are, because, you know, there are definitely a lot of good folks who are working for Wizards of the Coast, obviously, and they are in the middle of just... And who are there to make a, a tabletop game. They're in yeah. the middle of the worst situation where they're seeing their company that they probably dreamed their whole lives of working for is just being shit on through the mud and things that they had no control over. And it's, yeah, what a terrible, terrible situation to be in. Um, So that was yes. January... Oh, okay. I was going to say, and probably over, you know, a lot of decisions made by a small group of people. Yeah. So, you know. A dozen, a dozen probably. Yeah. Like, like it's, yeah, it's. So January 18th, that was the first uh, working conversation um, about, uh, with Kyle Brink. And then I believe he mentioned the fact that, hey, there's a survey coming where we're going to get official feedback, uh, which is 
probably a good solution at that point. Um, it may just be them buying time, but, uh, you know, at least they're putting on airs about, Hey, we're going to take this feedback seriously, even though obviously they're getting feedback screaming at them 24 seven for, for whatever it's been two weeks now or something like, bro, you've got all the feedback you need, but okay, we're going to put up an official feedback. Fine. That allows people to at least channel that into, uh, giving an official response. And then that was... That was on uh, the 18th. Uh, sorry, that was, yeah, the 18th. Is, and then the 20th is when the survey opens. Okay, yeah. So January 20th, the survey for OGL 1.2 feedback. So that first statement, he basically said, okay, 1.1 is out. What about 1.2? And during that statement, they basically said, um... I'm trying to go with the bullet points. It might be too much to cover. Um, VTTs we're not going to fuck with. Uh, nothing will impact any content you have published under OGL 1.0A. There will be no royalty or financial reporting requirements. So they're really <laughs> backstepping on a lot of the major shit that, they had, they, that, yeah. that had gotten leaked, basically. Um, you own all which of your content, was... which was another big deal about, hey, you're going to license back yeah. all your stuff. Uh, video content... Whether you're a commenter, streamer, podcaster, live play, cast member, or other video content creator on a platform like YouTube and Twitch, you've always been covered by the fan content policy. The OGL doesn't and won't touch any of this, which confused me because I'm like, well, wait a minute, I'm making money off. You know, a lot of these people are making money, and that's not where the fan content policy doesn't cover you if you're profiting, right. basically, whatsoever. <laughs> um, so it, they, they, he put together a bunch of bullet points and basically said, okay, so we're backpedaling on everything that we never even necessarily confirmed about. It was just draft stuff and all that. But now we're going to talk 1.2. So now we're going to ask for feedback on that. That opens January 20th. Um, and then, and I believe the official feedback, forget how long it was supposed to be open for, or if it says, I never actually even did the survey. I don't recall. And I, I was seeing a lot of, when, when that survey it, first went live, yeah. I was seeing a lot of people react, a lot of people's reactions to it that I think probably contributed to being cut short. Where a lot of people were immediately going, oh, this is utter bullshit. Like they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna lie. They're gonna report back whatever they want to report back. We're gonna hear back at the end of this that everybody loves. I do remember that controversy. Yeah, that that was another thing that got leaked as like, a, oh, they don't care about our feedback or something. Yeah. And that was one of the and that backfired on the Pitchfork Squad because because that allowed Watsi to come forward and say uh, no, yeah. and then they ran to have receipts and all these other information and right. and basically gave fuel for those uh dnd folks who had been silent through this whole thing because they know like oh we can't say shit like this is just going to go badly but now they had something to stand on and something they yeah. could talk about so that's another reason why you just you you got to be careful about these whole situations like it's it's passion uh, you need to be careful with it <laughs> like and especially when especially when the internet's involved and real yeah. people are involved which is what this always is going to be so uh, January 20th, it was supposed to be open for, I, I think, at least like two weeks or something. And then on January 27th, so a week later, uh, and I apologize, my camera lighting keeps going because I'm literally training between, I use dark mode on Twitter, so I'm training between all these different posts. Um, Kyle Brink posted OGO 1.0 and Creative Commons. Re- already more than 15,000 of you filled out the survey. 
Here's what you said. 88% do not want to publish tabletop RPG content under OGL 1.2. 90% would have to change some aspect of their business. 89% are dissatisfied with deauthorizing OGL 1.0, which has always been the biggest sticking point, I think. 86% are dissatisfied with the draft VTT policy. And 62% are satisfied with including the system reference document, which is essentially the tools you use to see what is and isn't allowed for you to use in the OGL. Uh, content in Creative Commons... And the majority of those who were dissatisfied asked for more SRD content in Creative Commons, which would be like a pie-in-the-sky dream because Creative Commons, I'm not super familiar with how this works, but it's kind of like a maybe even publicly domain kind of a thing somewhere around like just irre irrevocable licensing agreement. So, astonishingly, they said, we're leaving OGL 1.0 in place as is untouched. Holy shit, that's huge. Like, you literally gave people what they wanted. And then they said, we're going to go a step further. And we're going to make the entire system reference document available under the Creative Commons license. At this point, I feel like they literally, and Chris, I think you and I talked about this, where they had, like, a consulting firm coming in. And they're like, you guys yeah. have got to just completely fall on the sword for this. Because you are so <laughs> fucked if you don't just give people what they want right we're, now. We're going to shut out that. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take that first executive who was, who was stepping into the room on that first announcement. We're going to lock him out of the room. And then we're gonna, all going to decide. Yeah. I was shocked by this. I am pretty cynical when it comes to corporations. Um, to where I just don't think they care enough, but, you know, in terms of profit over people, like, it's just, that's, you know, if, if you become a big enough corporation, you're just going to care about profit over people at some point. Like, this is kind of how, that's how you got that big. It's, it's, it's the nature of the beast, yes. It is kind of the nature of the beast, yeah. Um, so I was honestly shocked in a good way that, like, oh, I guess, you know, either cooler heads prevailed or... They, the bottom line was affected that much, I which think, is probably the I actual. I think this was a monetarily yeah. uh, influence. They saw a think, people were canceling left had and an right. Angel come down to them yeah. and, and whisper in the ear. Which is why I think they through. Kyle saying that thing about oh this didn't have any effect. I was like, dude, your website crashed. Yeah. For like a couple of days, I think, because people were, couldn't cancel fast enough and they were posting things about right. why can't I can't? Yeah. Like it was just crazy. No, I think and then seeing all business decision and seeing all those competitors Absolutely. like spring up and be like, well, we're going to go do our own things rather yeah. than them coming to the table and unifying around D&D &D and acting yeah. like, oh, yes, of course, this is the right thing for us. You know, all of their, you know, for the king needed his needed his lords to come yes. together and support <laughs> him, needed the nobles. To come together and unify, and instead, all the nobles turned around and said, "No, we're walking over to the 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 peasantry, the serfs." And now you got nobles and serfs knocking on your door, and the king's like, "Okay," and and they completely capitulated, which I was shocked by, like legitimately shocked that they did this. Now, what you can't reverse is the trust that people had in the company. The fact that you did this to begin with. That it got leaked, and the way it came out and rolled out, and the way it first, you know, they had the first statement, like, trust is quickly lost and slowly gained, and I think they're going to be trying to slowly gain people's trust. Now, thankfully, a 24-hour news cycle works both ways, where people can quickly forget about these things, and, you know, are we all excited about keys from the Golden Vaults? I don't know, but um, I, I, I'm still just utterly shocked that this happened the way it did and so this was january 27th and then you had a bunch of you know had had the paizos and the cobalt presses had to come on and 
and basically give statements that are like, hey, we're still doing our thing. Yeah. Which feels weird, um, especially for, like, Paizo's things. Like, well, we still feel the need for this license. Uh, okay. Even though they did everything, like, to right, get... To, yeah. We have to give some credit to Wizen. Maybe I'll get shit on for this. But, like, they literally reversed everything that they were going to do. And then went a step further and said, okay, fine. You could just picture them just crying about it. We're going to yeah. put it in the Creative Commons... Like, we are fucking ourselves because we wanted to restrict everything. And now, 5e is fine. Like, 5e yeah. can go forever and not get, you know... So now, Wizards is sweating bullets over 1 D&D because now they're, you know, what they don't want to call 6e, which is interesting. I watched that whole Kyle Brink interview with Three Black Halflings, and he actually uh, compared it more to... Um, third edition or 3.5 edition than from a new edition. So he was really trying to make it like, and how does that work where you want it to be like backwards compatible or basically a slight update? So maybe yeah. they won't do that. Maybe they'll just give up completely, which would obviously be the best case scenario. And instead stop trying to make more money via that and instead come up with some more interesting, better worthwhile revenue streams. So I, I think right now if they tried to switch to, if if they tried to make one D&D not be backwards compatible. I think the, you know, again, we go back to like the content purchased and like, like when you've bought physical books, you're like, Oh yeah, they moved to a new version, but me and my friends, we still have all these books. We're going to keep playing this version. Yeah. Yeah. But if they, if they change that and that completely breaks the digital platform of something like D and D beyond, there's going to be a lot of people that will be upset about yeah. the digital content they've yeah. purchased now not being accessible or usable. Yeah, so, yeah, that would be a big deal. I think their goal has always been to be backwards compatible in some way um, because they know that they don't want to erase the success of 5e completely. Yeah, But I think it was always their case to have that transition to 1D&D be along with this new OGL and the fact that they can't do that now. I don't know what that means for the future of what D&D is. And I don't know what, the, what it means for the future of having all these other systems and third-party publishers who are now looking at other avenues versus uh, being, you know, having those nobles with you, basically, you know, and being able to create all that extra content for your next big step. So I think that's what they really lost here. They lost the trust of a lot of fans and they lost a lot of the third-party publishers. Although, technically, everybody could... St- still make content for 5e i think as far as i'm aware like they, they, they said no it's irrevocable now like we cannot fuck with it again we and, and that's something that kyle brink mentioned in that interview is like because that's something that jeremy had mentioned is like what happens if, if this happens again he's like this can't happen again um yeah, the, this exact scenario part- can't happen again like in terms of we you know we can't we literally put it in the creative commons like we just can't we, we can't try to deauthorize or change it anymore like it's just not going to happen yeah which is a hell of a win, I think, for the cons- for all of us, the consumers. Like, it's it's, it's got a happy ending at the end. I think it's a shame that any of this had to happen in the first place. Um, but maybe this was the reckoning that needed to happen. Where you know, maybe the alternative would have been them slowly putting in more and more restrictions, and all of a sudden, two years later, everybody's like, "Oh shit." We should have seen this coming back when they first started to do this change or this change. That certainly would have been the smarter way to go about it. That would have been the smarter way to go about it, yeah. If they had, like, little bits and pieces here and there, and, yeah. 
Instead, it all got leaked into one big, massive Armageddon change. Everybody was like, hell no, and they could rally around everything. Yeah, that was the worst way yeah. to go about this. I think it'll it'll be interesting to see what the next couple of years shape up with because you, know, you look at, you know, you kind of mentioned it, and, and although without delving into the history of it a lot, they kind of did this F up before, which caused, yeah. you know, you know, Pi's created, created, yeah, essentially. And, and, at, and at that point they had, they had no, virtually no competition. And, and Paizo was basically an ally yeah. and, and then they turned their best ally into their biggest competition. But then like, you know, you come into to 5e and even their biggest competition is, you know, still probably, uh, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but say, you know, it's got to be like yeah. 15% of the market compared to right. what, you know, what D&D has. Yeah. So now I think what'll be interesting to see is... And, and, and Paizo know, has, has started making a few 5e, like they've come around, they've started making a few 5e stuff now. They've converted yeah. some of their uh, adventure paths over <laughs> just lately. Do you see the thing? Um, like Paizo posted their, uh, their uh, like core three rule books. Um, they had a warehouse with something it's like six weeks or eight weeks oh, of stock. Yeah. And they sold out like months worth or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, to where it wasn't even like, Oh yeah, we've sold a lot. Like they even admitted, like we sold out like eight months worth of projected book sales in like the month of January when this happened, like that shit definitely gets to wizards. Right. Somebody that's, in the product meeting, the when they have a board, when they have a meeting of companies, somebody says, Hey, slaps this sheet on the table or PowerPoint yeah. or whatever they're using says, yeah. dude, look at how much our competitors are selling right now. This is a fucking fire yeah. that yeah. we need to put out as soon oh, as possible. I think that's probably. I, I think that was one of the things Heather wanted to talk about because her whole theory was hey, that she must like, have gone to bed because she's gone. <laughs> yeah, that that like Paramount got on the phone with D and D. It was like you need to get the your move. shit together. <laughs> oh, right. We got a fucking movie yeah. coming out. Yeah. This is your the brand has to stay good for the next four months. <laughs> that's the part that amazes me is that when you consider the fact that they had the movie coming coming out, like you want to do all these steps, you want to hold back people from from whatever. Wait till the movie's Wait released. The movie's like, yeah. how the dumb timing. can you be? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. To roll this yeah, out. That, that was, this that was, that this was thing that they knew in that leaked draft where they said, like, oh, we knew like people might not like this or something. Well, yeah. dude, yeah. And apparently that's like a big Bad deal timing. for wizards. And part of their hey, that's a good example of how to merchandise and license and sell yes, things and make absolutely. money is make a cool movie, which looks very fun. You know, I'm it gonna does. hopefully watch it. And that's a great way of, of using the brand and but yeah, let's not sink that. So I also don't agree with the whole, let's boycott the movie thing. Cause we hate D and D it's like, that, I also have a problem with that because none of those people have anything to do with that. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> being what it is, if you were to track those pyramids up and up and up yeah. and up until you get to the, the, the one person who's above both the tabletop game and the movie, yeah. he doesn't give a shit about the OGL. <laughs> like it's so, he's so far removed from all that shit yeah. that it's like nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, are we in the conversation about the fallout at this point? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Is, this is, is by the way, we've been going for way, we usually do it for about an hour. We're approaching the 90 minute mark, I think, which is, yeah. I, I had a feeling a this, I had yeah. a feeling this is going to be an epic conversation, yeah. but yeah, we need to get to the, the post. So I, I've reached the ending. <laughs> we, we are now at January, late January and officially wizards has capitulated. <laughs> yeah. So, so with the fallout, I think one of the things that I noticed was that I had been a subscriber with MCDM for Arcadia and 
they had the magazine that you could for five dollars you could get this content that was good artwork yada 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 and the thing is i would love to sit down and look through a magazine but i'm so busy i don't get a chance to so it's been one of those things it's like oh i'll just save this and when i get time i'll look yeah. through it i'll save this and when i get time i'll look through it well then they announce hey we're not doing this anymore we're 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 still going to make Arcadia, but it's not going to be for five E. It's going to be for our own thing. Yeah. And while it might be system agnostic, um, we're going to start charging eight dollars. We're removing this tier. It's no longer a thing. Mm. So from again a consumer standpoint, I I don't think I'm going to subscribe to it anymore. I, I wasn't reading through the stuff that much anyway, and so now it's a situation where I don't think I want to apply your content and go through the steps of manipulating your stuff to work yeah. with the system I'm probably still going to use yeah. because at the end of the day, I wasn't a creator. This didn't affect me directly. And I could use whatever content that five E's put out to this point. Um, as two of annihilation in two different games has taken me two years to run. Through, right. <laughs> yeah. it's, right? It is yeah. not going to be something where I can start another campaign There's, and it's going to be like, Hey, six months we're done. Yeah. It's going to take some time. There's either. tons it's, of material. Someone yeah. can buy a campaign book and get a year and a half, two years worth of entertainment yeah. out of it. <laughs> so so uh, the, the thing with the fallout in my opinion is that that's what was my concern in the beginning. Like, is this better for everybody? The fact that more people are exposed to Pathfinder blades in the dark, uh, vampire masquerades, whatever litany of games that, you want to portray system, the savage worlds all these ones that i need to still look at <laughs> everybody's like, screaming, like that... screaming us to play the alien rpg chris i need to look at that alien rpg apparently. oh yeah <laughs> it's on roll 20 <laughs> all of that's cool but me and my players know 5e yep. and yeah. going back into sunk cost fallacy i'm gonna do what's easier for me and them to right. run and you know the so difference I'm probably with the systems the stuff. difference between what happened back in the 4e uh time period is that 4e was not very well received at all. I mean, it still it has its fans, obviously, and there's a lot of people that still love it to this day, but people did not like 4th edition for the most part, and thus Paizo's Pathfinder came in and, and gobbled up all of those dissatisfied customers. What's different now is that 5e is very popular, and people do really like 5e. So now the question is, are those third-party publishers originally like, oh, we're going, we're fighting back against the man... And, you know, raising our flag and doing our orc thing and all this. And that was, you know, got a bunch of gusto and stuff. And now Wizards said, okay, no, it's, we won't do any of that. And now they're left holding right. going, um. Yeah. Who do we fight now? <laughs> yeah. Still, and, and the question, and, and the problem is 5e is still so popular. It wasn't a question of, you know, before everybody was not, were wanting to jump to a new system. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see whether the animosity people still have for Wizards equals pl plus the interest they have in exploring these other systems. Is that enough to tear people away from 5th edition, which now is set in stone, irrevocable and everything, without even including 1D&D? Because who knows what that's right. going to be and what that kind of license and everything will have. Just looking at 5e, people can just stick with 5e now forever if they wanted to. And people could, and other people can still be producing their content for it. So I'll be very interested to see. It'd be great to look back, you know, future me in a year from now or whatever that we get these new rule systems and things to see if it's just going to be a little, you know, drop in the bucket in terms of like, oh yeah, there's this quaint other system with some interesting things, but we mainly just play 5e. Or if somebody does get popular again and actually threatens fifth edition's yeah, market or maybe we transition. That's the best case scenario. Some, some healthy competition I think do so. the industry good, I think. Yeah. So, so one thing I think that's kind of that's interesting on the competition front. 
So D&D Beyond was, uh, and I had to look up the guy's name, but uh, created by um, Adam Bradford originally. So so he started the D&D Beyond where he was making the character builder was a big part of what he built there. And then and then he got um, uh, he got some level of licensing agreement and that allowed him to actually use the content beyond just like the SRD content. And um, and and. And then obviously that that built into ultimate success of, you know, like, you know, wizards or whatever buying that, you know, company from him. Yeah. So that was a successful endeavor. Mm-hmm. His current endeavor, he's building a version of that for Pathfinder. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Worked That's, once. Let's do it again, brother. Yeah. And, yeah. and part of that is going to be who is going to be the first one to really make a well-integrated, intuitive, price is right ecosystem that has the digital content has maybe a virtual tabletop plugged in there maybe with some really cool bells and whistles and animations you know you've got like foundry out there who looks really good but the licensing has always been pretty nebulous with how that works um roll 20 has been around for a while they finally got their license official license for stuff i you know i mean i've been there for roll 20 since before any of that even came in i've seen all that come into play um but that's with custom agreements so i think we're all waiting for Wizards and D&D to make their own all of that system. And we expect it to be a closed garden, kind of like D&D Beyond, where it's like, hey, you got to purchase all the little DLC packs. But you know what? If you make your product good enough and, you know, intuitive and you include, like we said, some kind of deal with physical and digital stuff together and you don't, you know, horrifically overcharge people, keep it competitive, then people will use it, especially. And you've already got you've already got 5e in place, which people love and a ton of people can play. I think that's how you move forward with this. And that's got a ton of built interest right yeah. now with, you know, like obviously, you know, things like uh, stranger things contributed to that. And, you know, and then just some of the general popularity has got like all these people that, you know, five, 10 years ago would have, would have never considered playing D and D or yeah. like, Oh, you, you play D and D. Yeah. I, I'd like to play uh, that. Online has revolutionized it in a huge, huge way. I yeah. mean, for our group and to many groups and just, yeah, the tools and, and just, you know, being able to watch other people has obviously been a phenomenon with critical role and others, like just being able to, you know, watch and, and see, see how fun it is. is. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, Oh, this is kind of part improv, part friends having fun and you're rolling dice and you're, it's just like, Oh, oh cause some people just don't even know like what, you know, how, how to play that. Yeah, it's been it's been fascinating. It'll be really interesting to see what the future holds for uh, how much people have lost their trust in Wizards versus how much this... And maybe you've lost your trust now, but maybe in a couple months you'll come back to it and be like, well, they've done it right so far and they haven't tried to fuck me over recently, so I guess I'm back to playing 5th <laughs> uh, edition. But I, I think 1D&D and those other publishers are going to be the real test uh, for right now. I know for a lot of us because they capitulated so hard and because we still enjoy playing 5e um i don't see my group changing specifically what i would like to do and i mentioned this um, before in my crafting streams and my monday updates is when we finish our current campaign before jumping into my next big one i want to spend a couple months other folks hosting adventures being able to do some content, but also maybe dipping our toes into running some random one-shot adventures with other rule systems just to kind of see, you know, do some Call of Cthulhu, do a do some Pathfinder, do some other things and just see kind of what's out there and maybe highlight some stuff and then 
you know, especially for our perspective as 5e players, see what that's like. But uh, so I, I think what that's, mo- this whole thing has motivated me to do is to look outside of 5th edition, which has been just my default for so long when it comes to tabletop RPGs, even though we didn't start with that, um, and be able to look at some other stuff. And then as I've got, you know, a megaphone, not a huge one, but a megaphone, um, I can share that uh, experience with others and then other folks can see how that is. I think we need to wrap up this DM roundtable. Uh, so let's give we, closing. We, I feel like this, this, this topic is so big. You could just, you could just keep we could. going. We could, yeah. Because each, each one of these events was so, like, yeah. newsworthy and interesting. I think it worked out. We tried to do it like a timeline, like, Absolutely. you know, yeah, thing. But it, it's, yeah. And I appreciate everybody staying on for a lot of extra time to uh, discuss it. But it's a very, very big topic. Very important one. Probably the single most important topic in D&D since 5th uh, edition uh, released, which was, gosh, seven, eight nine years ago or something at this point, like huge. All right. So closing thoughts on the OGL controversy, uh, John, let's start with you. I mean, I don't know. I, I think we we've summed a lot of it up, but it's, they really screwed up. Uh, you talked about trust, but the, the way they put it in creative commons is like, seems okay. And like for me personally, going back to, trying to cancel or move away from 5e is going to hurt me and my players more than it's going to hurt wizards right now. So for the time being, I've already paid for that content. I'm going to keep using it. Yeah. And especially when it comes to like a lot of the uh, D&D Beyond's a little different because you're constantly giving a subscription, but I know like for a lot of folks who buy books and things, they can technically never give another dime to Watsi and still play 5e for a long, long, long time. Like there's so much content there. And with third party publishers, if, you know, they're sticking around, which that'll be interesting to see, too. If you have people like Cobalt Press, they're like, eh, maybe we'll still make some 5e stuff. Right. If they really stick to it. Uh, Brandon, closing thoughts on the OGO controversy. John took the words out of my mouth. Watsy screwed up. They fixed the problem to the best of their ability through whatever bloodshot eyes they had from all the money they lost. Um <laughs> And oh and, man, to be a fly in those yeah. higher upper discussions. Yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> and and I unfiltered hope <laughs> that at the end of yeah. this, uh, there's more growth than there is um uh attrition, basically. Yeah. Chris, closing thoughts. What's your controversy? I I I think yeah, you guys saying it saying it well. This is this is this is the story of a corporation with a problem. The problem of how to better monetize their product. And that problem and their attempt to solve it led them down a very dark path. Um, and thankfully, through the, the power of, you know, the consumer voting with their dollar, they were able to uh, see the monetary value of steering from that path. So, I, yeah, I think it's a generally a happy ending to the story. I will say the lesson that we can all take from it is that don't trust corporations to have your back. <laughs> just just assume assume that they're going to try to screw you over at some point because if if it ever if it, if you, you ever got a nickel in your pocket that they need they will screw you over for the nickel it's just it's it's in their nature which is why it gets a little bit weird when people want to prop up other companies as is, their heroes i think that i would could, be that could go the exact same yeah, way in, in right. three four years yeah and yeah i i think um it's a bummer that this happened. It's good that Watsi actually seemed to listen to feedback, even though they 
kind of said they didn't, but then literally opened a survey and said, oh, okay, well, based on this feedback, we're, we are going to absolutely change everything. And went even further than anybody even thought to where it's technically better than it was before with the license agreement is now like it, it was technically revocable. Now it is irrevocable, which is awesome. Um, but unfortunately they lost a lot of trust with people. They put a lot of people under unnecessary stress uh, for people that have their livelihoods based on their 5e content they can make. Uh, that was just horrible and dragged the company really through the mud when at all needed to have happen. Um, so we've got other third-party publishers propping up. Uh, we'll see how well they can take the torch and run with it. I would also just be very cautious about big drama in the internet age, as always. Um, just be smart and always look for multiple sources, confirmed information. And as I say this as somebody who's on YouTube... Don't assume that just because somebody is on a YouTube or on a streaming platform that they are an authority figure, or for example, they have to adhere to journalistic uh, practice or integrity. Yeah, because uh, websites and editors, which I have worked for many times, uh, do require a lot of that stuff and actually do have journalistic integrity and require sources and confirmations and um, all of the good things that result in... uh, not baseless, you know, accusations and things, which is very important. Uh, yeah, folks on YouTube often, you know, they don't have that. It's it's just for the clicks. So, yeah. you know, just be careful about that. And, you know, as, and with internet mobs in general, just be very careful. I think passion is good. And in this case, uh, I think fans won. I think people actually organized very well. You know, on the other hand, you know, unionizing is very good. Um, and this was a case where a bunch of fans came together and uh, had some very thoughtful arguments and had some passion about what was specifically wrong about this. And you could even see wizards in their responses saying, okay, here's our bullet points of things that we know people, you know, they weren't just screaming for wizards heads. They were saying, this is wrong. This is wrong. This yes. is wrong. And so wizards can come back and say, okay, we're getting rid of this. We're getting rid of this. We're getting rid of this. And it took a, uh, an, an approach that that took place over time, you know, it wasn't like a day later, they're like, okay, we're gonna do everything. And it was like, okay, first we're gonna get rid of this. Now we're gonna do this changes. Okay, now we're gonna get rid of that until eventually they completely reversed course. So it was actually a pretty organic feedback system that ended up happening. So I think in terms of a lot of internet mob stuff, this one actually worked pretty well with what Chris says. There's always gonna be a few bad eggs in there or, or maybe people who aren't bad eggs, but just Eerie. get, you know, caught up in the moment or whatever. Or they're trying to look for things like, oh, we need to try to, you know, ride this wave yeah, in some more nebulous wave. Start, start seeing, you know, faces in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of be wary about that stuff. But yeah, in this case, I think uh, fandom and passion definitely won out. And I think this might be a good example, yeah. a textbook case of how a corporation did a hand, did such a bad job initially but then actually righted the ship in the end and then how the fan base was actually able to rally uh, in a very organized, thoughtful way, come through and and see the changes that they wanted to have made. So it's actually, even though it's, it was a huge dramatic moment, we ended up being kind of on the right side of things. And now we're just going to have to see what the future holds for uh, D&D, for 5e, and then for 1D&D, and then for all of these other, apparently, systems that are coming uh, coming through. If anyone all. ever tells you that you that you're not voting that that voting with your wallet doesn't work, that this this you can show them this this yes. very textbook example. It, 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 of, that's a very it, good it, case. It in fact, does work. There you go. We are all good capitalists here. All right. Thank you to <laughs> John, Brandon, and special guest Chris for joining me for this month's DM roundtable. And thank you so much for all the patrons who help make these videos possible. 
Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, William, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Role, Play, Role, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Corey, Koa, 1337, Matthew, Big Nut, John, John, Infernus, Chris, Scott, and Gene, and Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast, Like a Tortoise, Scott, Refus, Carolyn, and William. Thank you all very much for your support, and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled D&D 5e topics for our next DM Roundtable next time. Ass assuming, of course, there are no other big controversies that we'll have to cover. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity.